Welcome aboard the Highway in the Sky. Please hold on, please hold on. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Monorail Blue, a new podcast from Disney Examiner, your weekly source for all things related to Walt Disney, parks, and resorts. My name is Andy. I'm Danny. And here's what you've missed since our last stop. All right, for this week's stop, Danny, it's going to be a mixed bag of topics. Uh, We'll, we'll start up with the first one, then we'll just transition into each um, each new topic. But the first one is there's some changes in the executive structure coming to the Disney parks and resorts. Yes, definitely. Um, so today, actually, it's funny that we kind of decided to include this today because it was something that was just announced today. Or being late February 1st. Less yesterday, late yesterday, early today being February 1st. Um, yesterday being January 31st. Um, but the Disneyland Resort president, uh, Michael Colglazer, um, has been promoted to oversee the parks in Asia. So the APAC group. So for Disney parks and resorts, that would be um, Hong Kong Disneyland, Shanghai Disneyland Resort, and um, you know working alongside the Oriental Land Company for the Tokyo Disney Resort. So it really does show that um, you know Disney is very focused on the Asia parks. There is so much um, expansion and projects coming to these parks, especially Tokyo Disney and, you know, and there's the upcoming expansions in uh, Shanghai Disneyland as well for the things that they're already adding. So it definitely makes sense that they're really investing in those parks because it it's, means a lot to their business. Um, and so Michael Colglazer has been um, kind of promoted to oversee that area um, and of course that leaves his position vacant and as Disneyland has so very frequently received in the past, you know, few years, it seems like they get a president every three years, uh, at the Disneyland resort. Um, but he is going to be replaced by a Josh Diamaro. Um, he currently is the senior vice pre- is a senior vice president at Walt Disney world in Florida, um, but he has worked previously at the Design Resort in Anaheim, um, so he would be making his return back to the resort um, to be the new president of Disneyland Resort. Um, and you know, he will be there, of course, during the addition of the new hotel for the Design Resort, and of course, the completion of um, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge um, and Marvel Land, if it ever gets announced. And the Pixar Pier, too, because oh, um, forgot about this, that. according to the article that uh, this information was released on, the new positions are effective March 5th. So um, all that will be starting um, afterwards. So um, and they did the article did quote Bob Chapek as saying um, that he said the two men were the right leaders to bring our ambitious expansion plans to life during this period of unprecedented growth. So uh, truly, you know. Bob feels that this is a real strategic move to help see through these kind of changes and growths and additions to the parks and resorts for those respective areas. So congrats to both of them on their, um, on their, you know, 
promotions and I think they'll both do well. I mean, we'll definitely miss Michael. He's done a lot of great things for the design resort, but I'm sure he can bring a lot of great things to um, the APAC Asia parks too, as well. Yeah. I mean, Asia is such a huge area of focus these days with the, you know, rise of prominence of China and uh, you just hear all these economists and politicians saying that the 21st century is going to basically revolve around Asia. So it makes sense that Disney wants to, you know, f- have a increased focus in that area. But it's very exciting to see them do that too, because more parks for us to visit. And if they're putting increased focus, that means they're not going to be cheesy. So good for us and good for the people in those areas, I would say. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to our next point. It's going to be very downtown Disney focus because i mean that's probably the area with the most action these days but first we want to talk about splitsville opening yeah so splitsville as you guys knew i was scheduled to open well man that that particular location has been really just kind of delayed with a lot of different things um but uh it was announced uh pretty last minute that they were going to open um on january 29th uh, and that day came and went and they did not open, um, on, on, uh, at least officially anyway, um, on that particular day due to some, you know, unforeseen circumstances. But, uh, we are happy to report that as of now, um, on February 1st, Splitsville is open to the public. And, um, a lot of people have a lot of really positive things to say about it. Of course, they already had, um, Splitsville and Walt Disney World at Disney Springs, um, you know, it seems like this is getting a, such a, a good reception as well, too. Lots of really great food offerings. Um, they bring some great new things to the Disneyland Resort that are needed. There's truly no place on property at Disneyland Resort where you can get any type of sushi. And it looks like now Splitsville is the only place you can do that. So, That's a um, random place to offer sushi. Yeah. I mean, they have a, they're kind of, they kind of remind me of um, like a, they kind of remind me of a Dave and Buster's in the sense that they have such a wide variety of their menu of kind of like everything that they serve. Obviously they're not, in my opinion, they're kind of like a step above their foods a little bit more, um, like more luxurious and it is called Splitsville luxury lanes. Um, so their food's a little bit more upper level, I guess you could say. Um, it's definitely priced that way. Um, but, uh, they have a really great variety, uh, lots of different things like from pizza, from burgers, sushi, um, some appetizers, you know, things that go great that you would expect at a bowling alley, but then also that fancier thing. And of course, there's lots of full bars in the location too. There's outdoor bars, indoor bars. So it's just a really kind of fun area. It's like you can go there just to go to a bar and have a drink, or you can go there to like, you know, actually bowl, or you can go there to and watch others bowl or actually just dine at the restaurant. So truly it's like a, a night out. It's, it's, it's a great location. I think it fits well into kind of what they're trying to evolve uh, downtown Disney into. So it's glad. That I mean, it's yeah, the, the house of blues, to be honest, was kind of a dead space to me. It, like I mean, the concerts there never really appealed to me. Um, I, I just feel like this is the right move for them because it. And also, too, it, like you said, it, it's it's kind of fun, luxurious, and I, I guess they took the best place to offer sushi in their eyes. But yeah, I mean, I love I love the look of the of the bowling alley. It has like kind of like a retro look to it. 
Yeah, it has like a retro futuristic vibe, which actually totally fits in with... Like the Jetsons? Well, it totally fits in with the vibe of the new hotel that they're going to build. Oh, Um, you're right. At least the design of it. So, um, which it's funny because it's like, in my opinion, totally opposite of the way that Disney Springs Splitsville looks like because that one looks kind of really... It looks way different than this one, at least on the exterior, exteriorly anyway. But... You know, the whole movement that they're going with downtown Disney at Disneyland seems to be making it more of like an experiential thing um, where you can go and truly enjoy yourself for like a, a full evening or even a full day. I mean, you have, um, you know, and just like making it like more restaurant friendly and things to be able to do and, and book your time uh, with, you know, upcoming restaurants that they're announcing, like some of the fancier restaurants, um, expanding like the Naples restaurant and um, you know, redoing the the World of Disney store. Um, and then, of course, they added the Void, uh, which we're going to talk about. And then they're adding, you know, Ballast Point, which we're also going to talk about. Let's, so- let's talk about Ballast Point now. Oh, okay. It's a kind of a natural transition. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so Ballast... You, oh. you, go ahead and say what they... Uh, what people... What that is, if people don't know what Ballast so Point Ballast is. So, Ballast Point... Well, also, I, I don't, I'm sure if you've, you've been living under a rock, you are haven't. Well, well, let me just say this: craft beer is kind of in vogue right now. So, Ben Ballast Point is a San Diego-based brewery that is popular amongst, you know, at least my friends. And I, I'm, if it's popular amongst my friends, it must be popular, you know, um, <laughs> with normal people. But Ballast Point is coming to downtown Disney, and it's kind of significant because it's like the first brewery in um disneyland which kind of goes again um with the theme that they're going with a more adult friendly entertainment but um it not much is known about it um other than that it's coming and it's going to come in um late 2018 and it's going to be quite big it's going to be um 7300 square feet yeah so, so it from the artwork, it looks amazing. And um, I'm not sure if you're familiar, if our listeners are familiar with the kind of current layout of um, downtown Disney. Um, but they said it's going to how it'll be housed um, basically um, across from the Catal restaurant and the Uva bar. So the Catal restaurant. So um basically the area where they have where they used to have ride makers and build a bear is the location that uh, they're planning on building this location uh, planning on building ballast point and that's uh but that can it confuses me a little bit because i thought that was where they were also building that hamburger place that they announced not that long ago which i which the name right now is escaping me i forgot i didn't even hear about this hamburger place uh, yeah we talked about it a little bit um, the black tap craft burgers and beer that's what it's called um and it's um there is one location i think they said in new york city uh, but they're known for their um their crazy shakes they're crazy shakes actually so they're like they have very instagrammable shakes like their shakes are just out out of this world crazy looking really like works of art and people like to post them on social media and they just make they make they have those like unicorn milkshakes, you know, with like all mm-hmm. the different candy and stuff sticking out of them and all that kind of stuff. So very healthy for your diet. Exactly. Um, so they. Um, so if, if you can think 
across from the, where the Catal restaurant is, um, the Build-A-Bear location, being that it was two stories, and the Ride Makers location were both pretty big locations. So even just mm-hmm. the Build-A-Bear location alone, uh, they had the whole downstairs area, and then you went upstairs uh, for all the bear making as well up there too. So that's a pretty big amount of space. And if you look at the artwork they posted, which we'll link in the show notes, um, they have like a total open air outdoor, like upper deck of the, for the ballast point. It looks really cool. And it just, I mean, and based on that kind of vantage point would have a great view of like the resort and downtown Disney, maybe even the fireworks at nighttime too. Oh, that would be really cool. And I feel like they could, you know, charge admission, to have like you know some nice cocktails and um, a couple of beers while you watch watch the show. Mm-hmm. It's just really kind of really bringing the life or the vision into downtown Disney that they kind of always wanted, but it never really was. I mean, I feel like the Uba Bar and Catal have always been always been pretty popular, and like Naples is popular just because it's kind of like the closest restaurant almost to like Disneyland, and it's like Italian. Um, it's pretty like, safe food. Yeah, it's pretty safe food. Um, But like pretty much if you think about downtown Disney from the very, very beginning, um, it was just kind of a mishmash of things and really wasn't – it was kind of like Disney's answer to like the Universal City Walk at the time. And I think they've really learned a lot with what they've done at Walt Disney World with Disney Springs, really trying to make Disney Springs a destination that – you know, people can spend a day or more than one day at experiencing, uh, you know, multiple restaurants, uh, you know, tasting experiences or, you know, craft breweries and like luxury bowling lanes and stuff like that. I mean, it gives people to more a reason to stay multiple days. So like, you know, now you can go to the parks and, you know, for two days and then maybe have a third day to kind of experience downtown Disney, like, Hey, we have a reservation at Ballast Point. We're going to go to dinner. And then like earlier that day, we're going to do the void in downtown Disney. Um, and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, grab lunch at this restaurant. And like, they just kind of like spend time just re- kind of relaxing at the hotel, but also enjoying that too. And not having to go into the parks. It's like another area for them to experience and truly also without going too far too. Cause like yeah. there's some areas in Anaheim. Um, is it called garden walk? Yeah, the Anaheim it's, Garden Walk. Yeah, that or I mean, it's kind of sad to be honest. I haven't been there in years, but I mean, it's trying to capture, um, the you know the vibe of downtown Disney, and it, it's close enough where people who are staying, um, you know, near the resort can go to. So if you know Disney is upping their game, they're more likely to be on the property and spend their money at Disney, and everyone's happy. Right, I and it say. looks like they're you know, based on the other concept images of the new hotel, um, part of that hotel's, you know, footprint is also shopping on the lower levels of the hotel. So that could very well blend into, um, into the, the rest of the new downtown Disney district that's going to be reimagined slowly over the next few years as well. So, you know, that would be cool because I mean, we're losing real estate, uh, literally, Mm-hmm. with the hotel being there because we're losing rainforest the movie theater earl but if you think about it like Star just Wars. right now like alone it's like we've got we've already got the void like we have the void we have disney home coming to the old um, d street location which is going to be super popular in my opinion um they have Re- world of disney 
What is Disney Home for people who don't know? Um, Disney Home, so it's, it's taking the spot of the D Street location, uh, which used to house like the Star Wars, Marvel kind of urban merchandise that Disney used to sell. It's funny because it started off as like being um, a really kind of kitschy place that sold like Disney themed like urban style dresswear and like accessories that like they had like had you know had artists do for like different kind of lines of clothing and then it kind of slowly morphed into the store that like carried all the marvel and like star wars stuff <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, and then also the the store that and then it also i think actually it went from the urban kitschy to the store that carried the vinylmation and then it got like its vinylmation um, kind of hot topic box lunch yeah exactly vibe. and then it transformed from that into like the marvel star wars store that you could also get like custom iphone cases from with that machine that they have so it's like it kind of never really had an identity anyway to begin with um and now it has you know now they're going straight up with like a disney home store which i think is great um the whole stores basically um materials or like what they carry in the store and the theme of the store is going to change seasonally with whatever's kind of um whatever's whatever matches season for like decor in your home and it's going to be you know subtle disney things the people that want to decorate their home with um you know things that are inspired by or um you know take after like their favorite character or their favorite movie i think people really crave that kind of stuff i know that they've done some tests with selling time with that merchandise like in the parks i know they had like a whole little mermaid line that was like wildly popular they were selling in california adventure um I think people really like that kind of stuff, especially like the younger generation. They really want to kind of like have some. Because it's not obnoxious. Yeah, they want they want like, adult like themed things that they can truly like decorate their house with and, and make their house look nicer. But, you know, it has that nod to their favorite Disney movie or, you know, it's like a personalization on, uh, but in a subtle way, not like, oh my gosh, look at this you know, giant spatula that's shaped like Mickey's hand. Like, yeah, you may want that, but not everyone wants that. You know what I mean? So Yeah, no, yeah, totally. They've got, but they've got that store coming and, you know, they're reimagining World of Disney. We've got Splitsville open now. We have the Void open. They've announced the, you know, the they're, they're expanding the Naples restaurant. Um, they just recently repainted and kind of redone the outside of the Tortilla Joe's restaurant. Um, they added Pandora jewelry all not that long time ago. Um, and the, the curl surf store. So, you know, they've just, they've added a lot of different things. That's truly kind of giving an idea of what they're trying to turn downtown Disney into. And um, I think they're doing a really good job for kind of what's, what real estate they have there. Yeah. Cause it's not that big of an area. Cause universal city walk is pretty massive. And I remember you saying to me once that Disney Springs is also extremely massive. So oh, it's huge. they have to make the right, yeah. so they have to make the right choices. And it seems like with everything with, and also sprinkles, we can't, we can't forget oh, yeah. sprinkles, but they're, they're making, they're making the right choices and getting the most value out of the, it's a pretty small space, not relatively small. It is a small space, mm-hmm. but um, speaking of you were you mentioned multiple times the void, you got to try it out. I haven't had the time to head out to the park 
and uh, I haven't, well, actually, that's not true, but um, you've actually got to experience the void, the hyper-reality experience. Um, yeah, I wanted to. That open Nexus Prequels. I wanted to do it uh, after it officially opened because, you know, there's no testing or anything like that. It's just like what's available to the guests. Um, and I know Jordan had had, had a chance to um, test it before it actually opened to the public. And he kind of briefly mentioned in a past episode just like the most highest level, like it was great opinion because he wasn't allowed to say too much about it. Um, but now, of course, it's open. But yeah, I did have an opportunity to um, to do The Void and it was uh, excellent. It was so great. Uh, I was completely blown away. Uh, such a unique experience. Um, definitely worth it for sure. And the fact that they're going to be um, changing out the experience as far as like, you know, every every few months, or even like every six months or something like that. I'm not sure how many um, would be is great because it's got that redoability, like to kind of just go back and do it again if you've already done it once. Um, but I don't want to give too much away for people that haven't done it. But for those that don't know, so what is it exactly? Because I mean, no, we mentioned in the past, but it's, like, it's always good to. For those things. that don't know, um, so the void is a hyper reality experience. So. If you, uh, you know, VR headsets like the Oculus, Oculus. and stuff like that, um, it's kind of like that, but the next step beyond that. Uh, so if you can imagine, um, you get briefed on kind of what you're going to be doing, um, then you go into this room where they have like almost like a full suit. Um, it's like a full vest, a full helmet with the, with the VR headset attached to it uh, that goes completely over you. And then like a backpack that's attached to it as well. Um, and so you, it's like hanging from the ceiling and you could basically get, you slip into it and then they like tighten it all around you and tighten your helmet over you. So you really truly feel like you're putting on like a suit of armor or like a, you know, like a, you know, or like a stormtrooper outfit because you're being so completely covered. Um, and that's basically what you are. You, you are taking on, uh, you are becoming a stormtrooper in that, that experience. But uh, the reason why they say hyper-reality is um, you're experiencing what you're seeing in VR on those headsets, but you're also interacting with um, actual real life at the same time uh, within that experience. So um, So it's kind of like the holodeck in Star Trek. Yeah, a little bit. So basically you're – I think without giving too much away, there's – it's kind of like that wow moment. So you – you walk into a room and uh, and when you first start and then the, the person who is kind of like briefing you on everything, you know, everyone tells everyone to put their headset visors down. And as soon as he does that, um, you now are in a spaceship and you are a, now a stormtrooper and you're looking at your friends who are with you and they are also stormtroopers and you like you lift up your arm and you can see your arm, but it's wearing like a stormtrooper suit of armor. And you're standing in this room with a door in front of you and the door opens and you walk through it and you are seeing what everything, but you're walking in real life in a room and you go into the room and you're in this like spaceship and you see K2SO. Um, and, he, and this is where he tells you, um, he like starts talking to you and he says, he tells you to have a seat while well, you're in this like cockpit of a spaceship and right behind you is this bench Um but you're looking at this through a virtual reality headset or like a, you know, complete VR headset. 
And so this robot is telling you to sit down and you're, you go to sit down in real life and there's also something to sit on there at the same place that you're looking at it in the VR headset. So it's like, it's a trip because you're like trusting it in the sense that you're like, okay, I'm going to go sit down here now because it's telling me to sit down and then you sit down and then there's also like, it's actually something you can sit on. <laughs> so it like, it like That's perfectly so cool. lines up with the real world and they have, um, you know, it, you know, when you go to reach for a gun in the game, that gun actually exists in the real world. So when you're grabbing that gun, you're feeling it in real life too. So that's yeah, so that's cool. what makes it's like hyper reality because it's like it's like you're truly experiencing like a video game in in real life because you're feeling it physically at the same time, and like when you get shot, like you feel like you're getting shot, like you feel it. That could be kind of terrifying. <laughs> it was it was know? a little <laughs> it was a little jarring the first time that it happened to me. I will say, um, but. Um, it's a unique experience and it's something that everyone should definitely do. Um, I, you know, if you are prone to motion sickness, um, they do tell you like anytime if you are feeling sick, you can like, you know, raise your hand and they can get you out of there. But truly I'm kind of sensitive to that stuff and I was totally fine with it. Um, it's only 30 minutes. Yeah, it's only about 30 minutes and truly, um, because the VR headsets, um, like you're doing in real life what what it is that you're so like you're walking forward and moving forward and turning your head and everything and you can see what you're doing and it ends up being that way in real life too i think that kind of helps avoid if it's where like the part where you'd get where motion sickness usually tends to make is where the motion on the screen isn't matching what's actually happening in real life and then you, your body gets sick you know what i mean so this is like you're walking forward and so and then it moves forward so it's like it's you just feel like it's actually happening so i don't think you get sick because it's just like real life basically but yeah because um i own an oculus and um it it, it, it is pretty realistic but like like you're saying because like there's benches and you can actually sit down on the bench you know and it's real life but there's it's weird because with an Oculus, because I have a very small space in my room, and there is that disconnect between what your eyes and perceive, but not your like touch and feeling senses. Mm-hmm. So, like for example, I have a car game, and you're driving, and then when you like hit, like it's like a dirt racing game, and I've hit a tree before, and it it's very weird because you know your body feels like it's going fast. But then your 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 mind reacts like, okay, I'm gonna be in a horrific accident. And then all of a sudden, you know, once the impact comes, nothing happens, and it's it's very odd. Yeah. In that sense. Yeah, no, for sure. But I mean, so that, and it, and it, I mean, obviously, I don't want to be in a car crash, but it's still it 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 doesn't make you feel good. But with this, it um, obviously they're not gonna make you do high speed collisions, but it helps, like you're saying make your trick your brain better because it does oculus does feel extremely real but also to the fact a lot of games you're just standing there like i have one that you pretend you're mountain climbing and i mean it's cool and you get to see pretty views but 
again, I'm just basically standing there and I don't feel that movement. So there's that disconnect. So it's very interesting and cool to see that someone has kind of cracked the code, so to speak, and made this extreme. It wishes what Oculus wants or wants to be, or it does what Oculus yeah. wants. Yes, and there's to also be, that sense you know, of disconnect too, because when like a traditional Oculus is tied to a cable, and this is um, yeah. this is a truly wireless experience. The um, you know it's it's been programmed to be within the environment that you're in and can operate fully wireless, which is why you have to suit up and all that stuff because it needs all of that um, to kind of process what's going on without having to be tethered to something. Um, And that kind of really helps the believability factor a little bit more because there's no cable, there's no cord. Um, It's just you within that environment, um, you know, moving around. And so it, it makes it a little bit better to on the mind to be a little bit more believable and it was a unique experience. And I think, uh, it's truly a great value, especially for your first time doing it. Um, it's, you know, it's about 30 something dollars, like lower thirties, or I think just $30. I think it's 29. I know there's like discounts for annual pass holders or for your cast member. I didn't know that. Or DVC member. Um, and then they also have the opportunity to um, uh, purchase the photo at the end of the experience. So basically, at the end of the experience, um, they take pictures of you with all the gear on, um, and then uh, you have the opportunity. Like a moron. <laughs> and then you have the opportunity to to purchase that, and it comes with uh, like a digital photo and like a printed photo. Um, but they are the they That's are cool. the only ones that can take a picture of you though in that environment because they don't allow cameras inside. Interesting. Interesting. Good to know. Well, like we've been saying, there's a lot of interesting stuff coming to downtown Disney and it's, it's truly an exciting time to be at the parks. Yeah. I say. A lot of changes coming to Disneyland resort. And even though they're like, you know, nothing is truly like, as big as galaxy's edge as far as project size i mean the hotel project's going to be really large the parking project's gonna be large but there's just like so many things like the parking the downtown disney changes and you know the the yeah the pixar pier changes and all that kind of stuff there's like just a lot of different changes happening over the next few years that are really gonna kind of plus up that experience um i think can really just turn disneyland resort into more of a you know destination for sure thank you for listening to this week's episode of monorail blue if you like this episode please subscribe to us on itunes and leave your feedback give us a five-star review it helps other people find the podcast in addition if you want to send more detailed feedback please send us an email at monorailblue at disneyexaminer.com also please give us a visit at our social media pages at monorailblue on facebook twitter and instagram and also please follow at disney examiner for all the latest disney news Thank you for listening and have a wonderful week. Circling the Disney created Seven Seas Lagoon. Rising from the Magic Kingdom on the opposite shore is Cinderella Castle. You can also see Disney's Mountain Range, Big Thunder Mountain and Splash Mountain in Frontierland, and Space Mountain in Tomorrowland. To the right hand side, right hand side, right, 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 right.